Weird Norfolk is a magical collection of the unusual and inexplicable in the county. From folklore to ghosts, witchcraft to natural wonders, magic to enchanted places, we tell the kind of stories you share on dark nights around a campfire. I'm Stacia Briggs and I write Weird Norfolk. And I'm Shifa Connor and I curate Weird Norfolk. And today we're going to be talking about the mistletoe, the mistletoe bride. <laughs> because it's nearly Christmas. How festive, I hear you cry. Um, so yeah, we thought we'd do a, try and do a festive story this week. And uh, today we're recording in a new location again, so we're a bit echoey today. We nice. are. But that kind of fits the yeah. theme. It's as if we're in a grand hall. It is. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Which would be handy. So the mistletoe bride, or also it's also known as the mistletoe. I don't know how, quite how you say this word. The mistletoe bower. bower? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bower. Bower. Um, it's essentially a horror story, mm. so it is super super festive. <laughs> it's our kind of Christmas um, tale. And it was made popular by. I think it's quite an old story, um, but it was made popular in the Victorian era by a poet called Thomas Haynes Bailey. Um, it was in the 1830s, and it was so popular that it was said to be sung in every household at Christmas time. Um, that seems a bit unlikely, doesn't it? I don't know. I think they will have sung Do it. You? Yeah. It's like I, the Victorians loved They Christmas. did, right? and possibly they were better remembering verses than I Well, they probably be. had them written down. There was like, oh, your lady in a nice dress on the piano. <laughs> With candles. I can oh. just see it. In the hovels. <laughs> So, do you think we should read the actual poem? Let's go for the poem, and then let's go for the story. There's a Norfolk link coming, fear ye not. Yes. I don't like poetry that much, so... You hate poetry, This is, like, quite you? special for we have, people. Yeah, for we have read. arguments about this. I really like poetry. I really like it. And literally, I feel like a pariah <laughs> for liking it. Because whenever I talk about it, you're kind of like... <sighs> I just don't get so it. So to have to have you make make you read a poem is my Christmas gift. Okay. The mistletoe hung in the castle hall. The holly branch shone on the old oak wall. The baron's retainers were blithe and gay, keeping the holiday, the Christmas holiday. The baron beheld with a father's pride his beautiful child, Lord Lovell's bride, and she with her bright eyes seemed to be the star of that goodly company. I'm weary of dancing now, she cried. Here, tarry a moment, I'll hide, I'll hide. And Lovell, be sure that first to trace the clue to my secret lurking place. Away she ran and her friends began, each tower to search and each nook to scan. And young Lovell cried, oh, where dost thou hide? I'm lonesome without thee, my own dear bride. They sought her that night, they sought her the next day. They sought her in vain when a week passed away. In the highest, the lowest, the loneliest spot, young Lovell sought wildly but found her not. The years passed by and their brief at last was told as a sorrowful tale long past. When Lovell appeared, all the children cried, see the old man weeps for his fairy bride. At length an oak chest that long lane hid was found in the castle 
they raised the lid and a skeleton form lay mouldering there in the bridal reef of that lady fair. Oh, sad was her fate, in sportive jest, she hid from her lord in the old oak chest. It closed with a spring and dreadful doom. The bride lay clasped in her living tomb. As poem goes, I do... To be fair, it is a good one. Although, frankly, to not find somebody in a chest... When you're playing hide and seek as well, it's like that's pretty much the first place you're going to Here's my first pun. Bride and seek. (laughs) (laughs) One of how many? Two. Okay. Two puns. I shouldn't have given it away because then you could have gone back and tried to find them. But yeah, I mean, if you're playing hide and seek and there's a massive grey, you know, they sought her for a week and they didn't think to look in there. I don't know if they really wanted to find her. (laughs) (laughs) I wondered why Richard suggested a game of hide and seek on our wedding day. (laughs) That was why. Look at this huge chest. I don't know. I'm just like picturing. Have you seen the TV series Ghosts? Yes. And you know, there's a lady, I can't remember what her name is, but she's always like, oh, like. I feel like she was a bit like her and like a little bit annoying and they're like okay yeah Uh, did you look in the chest yes I looked in the chest yeah of course I did I looked there first yeah fine okay (laughs) moving on she probably didn't want to get married did she no (laughs) don't think so so this tale is linked to lots of halls Mm -hmm. isn't it and this is where we get into the the north at least yeah we didn't just pick this completely no (laughs) although you know it's christmas and we're desperate so we're not desperate no there's a a few christmas stories there are there's that that tree it's like a magic tree oh yes that grows up from an acorn yeah yes we could have done that one maybe we'll save that for next um we've yeah we've got some and the wild that one one about the wild hunt the bloke who um oh what's his name Colonel Sidney? Something like that. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, I think there's that one. So this story is linked to Brockdish Hall, which is six miles east of Dis in Norfolk. It's a 17th century Elizabethan. It's very nice, isn't it? Yeah, it looks nice. It is nice. Not open to public, but we think it's a B&B. Yeah, I feel like it was was open to the public at some point. I feel like it was like... um, I haven't got this on my notes, but I feel like I remember reading... That it was like a school sort of oh, thing, okay. like a holiday centre. Yeah. And then it got, and now it's private. It's very so, lovely. But yeah, it's lovely. And it stands closer to an even older, or the site of an even earlier moated mm. manor house. Yeah. Um, so really nice gaff. Um, we'd quite like to stay there. Yeah. So the story is that this is linked to Bogdish Hall and that the marriage in question happened there. Um there's a there's a suggestion this was a Christmas marriage and, and I kind of looked into did you look into Christmas marriages at all? No. So um, today, uh, Christmas Day as a wedding day is the least popular of okay. any day in the year mm-hmm. for many reasons, mainly because of the cash mm-hmm. and because most people have other plans and because venues are coining it with uh, people's dinners. Yeah. Um, but in ye olden days, it was actually one of the most popular uh, oh. days to get married of the year. Mainly, although this doesn't this doesn't kind of extend to this story, because it was the only day of the year you could guarantee you're going to get off from okay. your work. Mm-hmm. So, lots of <clears throat> working class families or working class 
yeah, working class families would would have their daughter married on a Christ, on Christmas Day because they knew she'd get the next mm-hmm. day off. Okay. And you knew that people would be able to come. Yeah. And some places would do these or these kind of parish churches. A lot of them would either do them for a penny mm-hmm. and literally race through them. Like all day. So they'd be all just, day kind yeah. of weddings, or um, they'd be free. Okay. Because it was a way that you could pretty much make sure that the next generation were legally wed and weren't going to be coming yeah. up with any illegitimate children. Okay. And that's interesting. So Christmas was actually a really, really big day. I did also read that um, for quite a long time, Christmas Day wasn't like such a big deal. Yeah. So actually that kind of makes sense why people would be free to go on the yes. wedding, like to get to go to a wedding on Christmas Day because they weren't doing anything else. Whereas yeah. it wasn't actually until the Victorian era that it kind of got gained popularity again. Yeah. So and, and it, it was if it was special, particularly special, it would have been more about having a day off than it would have been mm, about anything else. Yeah. Because until trade unions got involved, there really were no holidays. You would work six days a week. Mm-hmm. Your day off would be a Sunday, which is how you managed to have your wedding bands read because mm-hmm. you were actually in church. Yeah. And you know, these, I think it wasn't until, I can't even remember when um, bank holidays were brought in, but that was first, so before that it was yeah. no holidays, yeah. just Christmas and Boxing Day, yeah. and everything else was work. Yeah. So that would have been your special time that you would have actually had a bloody day off yeah, to yeah. not do anything. So, yeah, you're right, it, it wasn't such a big deal. It was obviously far more religious, it was yeah. far more of a... So I think it was because they basically went the Puritans because mm. they, they they didn't love Christmas so that's when it got really toned down again so it was yeah. when the Puritans which I'm not not sure about that date I got it somewhere yes and then and then it ramped up when Queen Victoria like made it popular again mm. um, so yeah that makes sense why there would have been a Christmas wedding yeah it certainly so, it certainly wasn't an unusual thing and it's quite thing. interesting now when you're looking at a like you were saying about how much it costs now like when we read about a read the poem you're like wow the family must have been like really rich to have a, like a wedding on Christmas day no but actually they could have just been yeah like normal although they probably were because they lived in a massive fancy hall yeah but... they did live in a massive fancy hall <laughs> but um yeah uh, with everybody else it it would have been really quite this is why People often do their family history, their kind of, you know, when they're going on those ancestors searches, and they discover that their relatives were married on a Christmas day, and they think, oh my gosh, that's so romantic mm. and so beautiful. And actually, it was just really practical yeah. and possibly free. <laughs> so if you've looked that up and thought, oh, look at my oldies, they that got so married romantic. on Christmas day, how lovely. Uh, they were just skin flint and uh, <laughs> had no holiday. So just ruining that for you as part of your Christmas day. <laughs> Merry Christmas. So, yeah, so, the, I mean, this kind of all links back as well, the, the whole chest to dowries, doesn't mm-hmm. it? So, but just before we go on to that, did, were you going to say anything about Brocktish? There was a story, have you found any evidence for the story at Brocktish Hall? Um, some, well, you tell me what you found, I'll okay, so I found, like, um... Well, this is evidence that is me saying it's probably not Brocktish Hall. Oh, God. Have you got evidence to say you think it is Are you looking at the evidence that shows it's the one in Yorkshire? Is it the one in... Well, no, I found... um, So, I did a little bit of searching in the EDP archives and I found a letter from 1911. um, And it reads, In a well-known Norfolk book, although it doesn't say which one, which is helpful, we have this story... After the Brocktish Hall estate came to the Lawrences, 
One of them built the present hall in 1634. It stands about half a mile northeast of the church, near the site of the old hall. Francis, one of the children of a family here, went into a garret in a remote part of the house where the door shutting on her, where the door shut upon her and she was starved to death. Here then is our Norfolk variant of the mistletoe bow legend. So I'm wondering if that's where the link came from. So again, a child did die, there. like someone did die. It's just again these stories where it's like you know, oh where's uh, where's so and so gone? Oh I don't know. Should we go have a look for them? <laughs> oh I don't know. I've looked everywhere apart from that room where the doors shut closed yeah. and she's screaming behind it for food. Oh it's well, oh, I think she's run away. You know what? I mean, this is just insane, isn't it? But that's People it. don't just go into rooms in your and sit house there silently until and, and they're not not do. They are rubbish, aren't they? Ghosts of your deserve to be ghosts if that's the case, don't they? Just got locked in and then get just out sat the there window. Make until... a fuss. Yeah, you would. You'd smash down the, the door, window, wouldn't you? Or do something. anything. I mean, I don't feel that I would have died in the in the in the in the in the, in the whatever it is the the chest, and I do not feel I would have starved to death in the room. No, but that's this is where I'm wondering if that kind of the story is kind of like that's where Brockdish Hall well, becomes part of the bigger. I see you're disputing the fact, and I say that that letter is also nonsense. Okay. So therefore, I go back to, I'm having this one. Yes, yeah. I'm okay. having it. Okay. The hall looks the kind of hall where this kind of thing might happen. There is a chest, isn't there, that's very similar at Blickling yes. to the one that this is. Which is really interesting, though, because these chests, the chests that she was possibly in, are actually part of like a wedding tradition yeah. in themselves, aren't mm. they? Yeah, so it's a dowry, and they were these massive, ornately painted, carved... <laughs> they were called, sometimes called glory boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Did people do Christmas poos in them? <laughs> so, so, so they, and they were given to couples on their wedding, like presumably not with mouldering skeletons in them, because that would not be the kind of gift, well, it would be the kind of gift we would have liked. Yeah. I've got you this, uh, this ornately carved chest, and inside is a skeleton bride. You'd have been delighted, wouldn't you? Yeah. But um, yeah, there's a mid-century one at Blickling Hall. It says somewhat coffin-like in appearance. Mm. It gets better, doesn't it? Um, this, you know, this this whole kind of thing does leave a little bit to the imagination in many ways. Mostly that you could get lost in a chest, in a room, mm -hmm. in your house, and no one find you. The only way I can see this working is that you get in it. And there's, it's airtight, and you die. Yeah, before... And so, actually, the story is that maybe they did find her and she was just dead immediately. Yeah. It does, it's hard to get your head around. And then also, the fact, if it was such a big chest, and then they just, like, stumble on it, like, yeah. years and years later, and they're like, oh... Oh, that's where she was. Also, like, I don't know about you, but when I got married and people bought, kind of, gifts and things, I didn't look at them for about... Four months. No. In fact, some of them I possibly still haven't looked at. <laughs> um, and so the idea that they had got all this stuff out of the chest in time for her to get well, back in. Didn't, yeah, the chest would have been... if it. Although, to be fair, we don't know that it was No. one of these chests. No, true. And you'd think but that chest, if he I was in a... the chest would still have been full. 
So, because they wouldn't have just had an empty chest. No, that's what I mean. It just So, yeah. then she would have had to have taken it, and then, so all of that mess would have been on the floor. So, they'd have gone, oh, look, And so, are yeah. they saying that, like, for, like, however many years, they just, like, didn't ever tidy that mess up? And if he's in a bit of a rage that he thinks she's done a runner, because, am I right, was this before the ceremony? It was before, wasn't it? I, I thought, thought it was after. I thought they were married. I've seen two different accounts. One um, is that it's before, one that it's after. So, one is that they hadn't even married mm. and so he was in a rage because she'd made him look stupid either way she'd made yeah. him look stupid if she'd run off hadn't she mm. you would have gone back for the diary at least because that's the whole point isn't yeah, it yeah you just would have taken that yeah. well fine and then he would have found her yeah exactly I mean whatever way you look at it they should have found her like immediately <laughs> if not they are the worst at hide and seek in the world <laughs> and need a quick talking to about it but um, yeah, so so apparently, according to this, yeah, she screamed and screamed and would and and her fingernails tore at the wood and nobody came, which seems bizarre. And mm-hmm. and he then pines for her for the rest of his life. Yeah, it's quite sad. It is quite sad. I like in the poem that they call her a fairy bride. Yeah, I'm surprised that there's no suggestion of a ghost. I was just about to say that. This this is like perfect like white lady set up and, I, and I don't know if any of the yes some one, oh, of them, one of them one of them does, has so there's various other halls um where this is said to be yeah um one of them is uh, thought it could be one in a hall in oxfordshire because there's um the name Min- lovell minster lovell hall. yeah that's a connection there there's um titchmarsh castle I don't know if it's owned by Mr. Alan Titchmarsh. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. And again, there was a lot of I don't think he there. would leave his bride in a... No, not lovely Alan. <laughs> He'd get her out. Um, so again, there was a level there, which is a, a hint. And then there's um, Brams Hill House in Hook in Hampshire, mm-hmm. which is actually, this is probably my favourite for it to be at this one, even though you think it's our one. I just, I always um, will take ownership for Norfolk. Mainly because there is a young woman um, is seen dressed in white in the mm. long gallery there and the fleur de lis room. Um, and the story goes that, well, it's basically the poem that she had at a Christmas wedding, she insisted on playing a, playing a game of hide and seek, found herself locked in a chest and couldn't, wasn't ever found. And then some years later, the chest was opened, revealing her remains and a sprig of, she's clutched a sprig of mistletoe in her skeletal hand. Oh, I see. It's nice. Um, the association of the story with Brams Hill was such that in 1890, um, there was a pamphlet, the owner of the place pam- um, published a pamphlet on it. Um, and there was actually a chest one of these bridal chests in the hall oh so although so, it's not meant to be there anymore well if i had to choose one that wasn't brockdish hall which i wouldn't because mm-hmm. it is brockdish hall i would choose basildon grotto on the basis that it sounds like somewhere you'd go to see father christmas i haven't for got two that quid. one on my list uh basildon grotto which is in berkshire sadly not in S- in, in essex or nearby oh. um but basildon grotto uh, it is literally just because it does sound like a oh. Place you'd go and another see. Christmas, yeah. a, a Christmas, yeah, exactly. It sounds very Christmassy, and I, I feel that the, it, it's got a very, <laughs> very strong case. But um, there's other tales that this story is linked to a completely different um, 
explanation to what okay. happened, which is that actually this it was a it was an Italian wedding or it was an Italian bride, and her dowry was sent over, and the when they opened the chest. There was another bride for the man who had. Oh, that's interesting. It. And actually, those chests actually originated in Italy. Yeah. So it came over, so and actually, he had already kind of. So was uh, the other bride dead? The other bride was very dead. Yes. Oh, okay. So um, yeah, I think that was. I, I, I'm trying to find where that link is, but yes. So she. So yeah, it's a. It's an. Oh, I need to get my other pun in at some point. It's an urban mistletoe <laughs> so yeah based on stories from similar stories from mainland Europe where similar lost bride stories abound one of the best known is an Italian story about a bride called Ginevra. oh I have got a quote like something about that online yeah, yeah. and and there was a po another poem written by Samuel Rogers in 1822 mm -hmm. which was about that which is yeah that this this kind of chest comes over ready filled Okay. With the last woman who was in there. Do you think he was a serial killer? I think he probably was a serial killer. Uh, I quite like the fact that this tale became particularly popular. Kind of, I love the whole business of ghost stories at Christmas. Mm, and it was that was like a massively popular mm. Victorian yeah. kind of thing. And it's not really something that we kind of do now. I don't think. I think only Mark Gatiss does it, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. So I know that there is on Christmas Eve oh, a new there? Mr. James. Oh, yeah. Do you know what it is? Ah, uh, yes, but I can't remember. Oh. Um, yeah, there is a new one, and and he's kind of brought back that. That whole because M. R. James used to tell them on Christmas Eve mm. um, when he, when he at King's College in Cambridge, so he would literally gather the kind of the chosen ones round his fire in his office at mm. King's College, Cambridge, and tell ghost stories. And his ghost stories, are, I mean, just wow. terrifying. terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Yeah. There's um, a writer called Jerome K. Jerome mm. who wrote Three Men in a Boat. Which I thought was a TV programme, but that's how uneducated I am. <laughs> um, but in 1891, he said about Victorians, um, whenever five or six English-speaking people meet round a fire on Christmas Eve, they start telling each other ghost stories. Nothing satisfies us on Christmas Eve but to hear each other tell authentic anecdotes about spectres. It is a genial, festive season, and we love to muse upon graves and dead bodies and murders and blood. Don't we? I mean, so we do true. always. That is an everyday yeah. thing. Uh, there's there's um, other even earlier links. So Christopher Marlowe, 1590, um, wrote, Now I remember those old women's words, who in my wealth would tell me winter's tales and speak of spirits and ghosts by night. And in Shakespeare's Winter's Tale of 1611, a character suggests some storytelling with a sad tale is best for winter. I have one of sprites and goblins. So this is something that's been happening around the yeah, solstice. Yeah, and that's it. It's like we associate it heavily with the Victorians, but actually, when I was looking into like research for this, it is <clears> actually <throat> ghost stories. They've been d documented as being told at this time of year for for Yule and yep. winter solstice, as like far back as medieval times and, and probably even beyond that. Mm. So it's really interesting that we associate them with Victorians, but actually, it's. And I don't know if it's just because it's like cold and dark and people are like huddled around for comfort. And, and the Yule log. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's or it's slightly lazy. I mean, we always laugh about it how our interest levels in the um, community rise at Halloween 
when everyone wants to chat with us and then we're, we're it's like you know a dog isn't just for christmas yeah um <clears throat> we are also for christmas but it makes it actually ghost telling or ghost storytelling was this time of year it wasn't at all really that time of no. year that time of year was more about um remembering the dead yeah, but that's different that that's yeah. not the same is it no. as ghost stories remembering no. the dead is honoring them yeah and <clears throat> kind of remembering those who have passed through the veil this is very much more about frightening the bejesus out of you on the darkest yeah. night of the year yeah which makes far more sense yeah. doesn't it i did look into um i tried to look to see what like the kind of winter solstice correspondences might be with like the dead and this sort of thing but I couldn't really because that was all tied to surely to just the darkness Halloween. and death in the you, at the at the on the longest night of the year mm. the certainly in 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 kind of medieval well, not maybe not medieval but in the the furthest back times surely there would have been a massive fear that it wasn't coming back yeah, that the light was true. not coming back, that yeah. you needed to banish these spirits and possibly by speaking their name and by talking about them yeah. made them slightly yeah. less terrifying. Or, or maybe people like being terrified. Well, I was just going to say, maybe it's that sort of... Maybe it is just simply that people like to have a spooky story yeah, when it's I think, dark outside. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I'm really pleased that it's... I mean, when, when we say it's not a thing now... Some people are bringing it back, aren't yeah. they? There is a little bit of, of kind of bringing back the Christmas mm. tradition. And, of course, the most famous of all is, is you know, you can't not mention him, is Charles Dickens, who pretty much is what the... What did he do? So he did... <laughs> Was it the Muppet Christmas Carol? He did the Muppet Christmas Carol, and we thank him for that forevermore. Best performance of Michael Caine I think I've ever seen. I think that was true, actually. I just love him. <laughs> I love that film so much. I love it. Christmas do you know what is on Disney Plus? <laughs> is it really? Amazing. Um, yeah, so he probably wrote the most famous Christmas tale of ghosts ever that will ever come mm -hmm. and, and obviously made slightly better by um, the Muppets, but, you know, isn't everything. I wonder if he'd like that version. Of course he would. Yeah. Of course he Who wouldn't? Who doesn't like that? I pity the fool who doesn't <laughs> like that version. Um, where, yeah, where you've got the three apparitions, Christmas past, Christmas present, always makes me lol. And Christmas yet to come, and it was it was huge, wasn't it? Absolutely huge, and has kind of set the tone for mm. all of those. My mum said to me that when I was old, I would suddenly like fish, as in eating them, opera, and Charles Dickens, and how mm, many of them are you? Yeah, to? no, you're not no. old though. So well, mm, I think she meant. Uh, Older, um, I can listen to some opera, I suppose. I'm not eating a fish. That's Does Hamilton happening. count as opera? Yeah, well, maybe. I think so because yeah, it's singing all the way. Through. It's singing, isn't it? I, I like Todd. Les Mis and Les Mis. Yeah, yeah. I like Les Mis and I like um, other musicals. I'm trying to think of other things that they sing all the way through. And I quite like Carmen. That's quite a good one. I don't think I've seen. Um, do I like Charles Dickens? Do you know, it's bizarre, I hated him for ages and his kind of florid language and his kind of Mrs. Pickledy Wickle flip and all that, and now I don't mind it as much. Have you actually read them no, or have you just seen them? I was going to say, seen like, the Muppets Christmas I'm quite Carol. happy to like watch the films, but I don't think I'd sit down and no. read one. Well, really quickly before we end, really Sorry. quickly, did you look into mistletoe? A tiny little bit. I quite like Miss. I love mistletoe. In fact, I don't quite like it. I don't really like kissing random people. I, though. Although, I, do you know my first kiss I had with my husband was under mistletoe, so I have oh. a very soft spot That's for nice. it. 
Um, but I really like it. I always buy it every single year. You should never let it touch the ground. Okay. It's very unlucky. Um, it was thought to be, I love this, entirely magical and, oh. and credited with extraordinary powers because it seemed to grow with no roots mm. and no source I of food. I see that, yeah. So people were absolutely like blown away by the fact it would just grow in the... And it grows in the balls, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it, it is does look, amazing. Like when it's like on the trees. Oh, I love it. Really I love lovely. it. Um, in the Middle Ages, it was thought to break the death-like trances of epileptics, dispel tumours, divine treasure keep witches at bay and protect the crop of the trees on which it grew. Because it is used in protection spells, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. And and it's it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And it's a, it's a it's the kissing business is supposed to be about fertility. It's all a bit rude actually and what it looks like and how it looks a bit <laughs> I don't even want to say the word, but anyway, the white bit. Um women who wish to conceive would tie a sprig around their waists or wrists. Apparently. Ah, mm. Okay. So bear it's that in mind. It's quite poisonous, though, isn't it? Well, maybe they didn't wish to conceive. Isn't it? Is it? <laughs> yeah. I imagine it's maybe they wished to conceive and, and then, then kill the hill. <laughs> <laughs> and it was easier than putting him in a chest. Um, yeah, and, and it says these ceremonies would usually end with cider drinking. Don't the best always yeah. finish with cider drinking. Massive links with Druids and Norse and Greek and Roman mythology. It's basically, it is the... Is it quite rare now in the UK? It is, it is quite rare. We get most of ours, and I saw this when I was in France. It's massive in Normandy. It's, mm-hmm. it's grown, most of the European um, mistletoe is grown in, in Normandy. Mm. It's very hard to grow. You can do it if you faff about. Because mm. it's, it's like, it is literally like trying to do it with a tree. Because yeah. you have to like fertilize stuff and mm. things, and it's because I guess hard. it's technically like a parasite, isn't it? It is a parasite, yeah. yeah. And it grows well on oak and apple. Uh, it's just awesome, actually. I really like mistletoe, and I'd like to. And I guess it's, it's actually, I don't know, in the poem that we read, I don't yeah. think it actually mentions mistletoe. Fail on their part. So, whereas in the story that we followed up with, it says she was help, like found holding. Holding mistletoe. mistletoe. I think there was mistletoe at the ceremony. Oh, yeah, mistletoe hung in the castle hall. Yeah. That's so, like literally the only mention of mistletoe. It's enough for you, isn't it? And what more do you mm. want? I feel like I want her to be wearing, like, in my head, she's wearing, like, a nice headdress of, made of nice, mistletoe. It would be, be so nice. Pretty. I don't think she, well, by the time they find her, she's not very pretty, is she? No. But there's a, there's a, there's a, um, a kind of a, a, a message to this, isn't it? Which is if you're going to play hide and seek. Don't hide in a massive chest. No. Actually hide somewhere where people can find you. Yeah, and and maybe take your mobile. Yeah, I was just gonna say, although they, if it was like a lead lined chest or something, they might not have Well maybe leave a trail of crumbs. Yeah. Maybe just tell someone. Just don't bother. Don't bother <laughs> and hiding in, in marriage chests. And we hope that all of you have a very Merry Christmas after we've talked to you about death and murder possibly and just neglect, really. Yeah. Just <laughs> Just neglect. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas all. Welcome to the new normal. Hello, and welcome to this series of Unfinished with me, Charles Thompson. Welcome to Weird Norfolk. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City Podcast. Of course, it is 
the Kings of Anglia podcast. From true crime to football, politics to folklore, for more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com forward slash channel forward slash Archant.